Welcome, internet friends. This is Throwdown Thursday. My name is Kathy the Angry Nerd, and I will be your guide through this lovely journey that we call the Throwdown Thursday podcast. Uh, joining me on our mission is the ever-present Agent Nicole. She is ironborn. She does not sew. And she is uh, she is a reaver. A what? A reaver. You reave. Okay. You know, like the Ironborn, Iron Islands, Greyjoys, Krakens? Yeah. You'll have to explain to me. Uh, Brat. Just, just, just making sure, because you did ask. And uh, joining us also, as always, because without him we can't do the show, is uh, Johnny Wolfenstein. Johnny, how you doing today? Hey, Ooh. what's up, everyone? Hi. You missed someone, right? I know. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I, I wasn't I either. I didn't miss. I just, you know, it's nice to give Johnny a little <laughs> bit of uh, a little more credit because he nice does, cover up. <laughs> he does produce the show. I bet for you us. he's trying to suck up to her, so he, no. that's why he left her for last. No, he does. He does get it. He does produce the show, and without him, we can't do it. And of course, joining us as always is the mistress of Merlot. The real housewife of Transylvania. She is a Lannister in disguise. She is Ashes von Nightmare. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. <laughs> That's what I do, too. I drink like a Lannister. I know when I drink things. More wine. Wine <laughs> for all. <laughs> <laughs> wine. Just You get a wine bottle and you get a wine bottle. Everybody gets wine. I'm, I'm, I'm Ashes from the House of Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> so, because... Uh, the long, long, long-anticipated premiere of uh, season seven. Of oh my Game god! I've been waiting forever. I'm so glad it's coming back. It's coming back in a couple so of so glad. Like I don't know why they couldn't get their shit together and had it, you know, premiere in a timely manner. You like know, April. premiere. Well, a lot of it was because of location, especially with you know because. Global warming is not a real issue. Yeah, global warming is, is just fake. It's something that Al Gore made up yeah. no, just no, so he can make hoax. a movie. It's a hoax yeah. perpetrated by the Chinese oh, to undercut yeah, that's our it. economy. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, so that's a it. lot of it was um, location issues because, you know, global warming's not real. Yeah, Thanks. so they had a real easy time because they're going to be doing a lot of scenes uh, up north. They had a real easy time uh, finding snow everywhere. But what's what's bullshit is the fact that not only did we have to wait longer, but this season is going to be shorter. But the episodes will, will be, be longer. longer. Oh, really? Oh, I yeah. did. This yeah, they compensate for that shorter. Oh, oh, hello. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They cut down on the episodes, but they'll give you a little bit more. So okay. they're a little they're a little shorter, but to uh, make up for it, they last longer. Aha. Uh-huh. So. It kind of evens out. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, because the, uh, the the premiere is coming up this Sunday, uh, we decided that, you know, it's long overdue for us to talk about Game of Thrones. So, I figured, you know, this is a good time. So, we're each going to be talking about um, some of... Uh, we're originally going to be talking about um, characters who are minor and secondary, but you know, after thinking about it and rewatching the, uh, the 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 entire series recently, 
There are no minor characters. No, but when we were discussing about this, no one really had an idea of what we wanted to do. And I figured, why don't we do something that isn't people that are, you know, like the big names like Jon Snow and Cersei and Jaime and Tyrion. Like, figure, why don't we talk about other characters that, you know, they have interesting backstories, but a lot of people don't get to see much of it so why not explore those kind of characters plus there are so many characters so many characters so many good characters too i mean there aren't any real like bit parts like patsy said at this point you know everyone pretty much has a a, a role Mm -hmm. in some way that is affecting the outcome of the of the main story even characters who we've never seen on screen have had gigantic impact right there there are a lot of john aaron yeah i mean well um Leanna, Leanna stark Leanna stark she has been on screen for like five minutes but yeah but like she's but uh, what i was gonna say is there are a lot of characters who have passed mm-hmm. who passed before you know the, our, our before story the began story. yeah before yeah. the main story began um and characters who have passed throughout the the, the series who still play such an important role like their actions have kind of created this snowball effect yeah. and that's you know one of the reasons why we're at where we're at today as far as um, yeah, where so the show is at if you are not caught up with the books or the show this is your warning right now that Spoiler! there are going there's enough material where we're not going to ruin like anything we talk about is not going to ruin like a crucial plot point but there are things that we're going to be talking about that, you know, maybe if you haven't caught up and watched all of the shows yet, because um, we're going to be concentrating more on the shows because, I mean, none of us have really read the books. Like, I've gotten, like, halfway through book two in I'm starting years. book two. <laughs> so it's been a while, but I know I, I watch a lot of spoiler videos and stuff myself. Um, so I know a lot of the stuff that's gone on in the history but this is your warning so if you don't want to know this stuff watch it all and then come back but make sure you do it before sunday because you're going to want to be uh, set up and ready to go um so we were going to start off by you know discussing some of our uh our favorite characters that we've uh that we've come to know not the same characters that we're going to discuss later but some of the folks that have uh, come across our radar on the show that we find uh, utterly fascinating. So uh, I was going to ask Nicole if she wanted to go first. Well, before we get into that, I actually have a question for everybody. Yeah. Um, first of all, how did you get into the show and what do you like about it? What kind of keeps you coming back every week? Nicole. Um, so <laughs> this one's a funny story. Um, the first time I got introduced to Game of Thrones was... Uh, I was at my friend Rachel's house and she was like, oh, there's a new show that you should really watch. And she knows my taste in television shows. So we watched the second episode of season two. If you know the show very well, second episode of season two is like the most sexual episode ever. It's because it's like, I think one of the first scenes is someone's watching another person get oral sex. And then that person is watching another person having oral sex. And then it's Peter Baelish watching everything and i'm like this is just very interesting <laughs> i was kind of aw- kind of weirded out but and what was 
worse is that my friend's dad was also in the room watching Game of Thrones. Awkward. No, the awkward part of that scene, and I remember this only because I just recently watched it, is after the dude getting blown, like, you know, he finishes up and the, the girl goes over to Peter Baelish. She's got a little something on her face, and he yeah. kind of wipes it off, and then she, like, walks over to some other guy and starts making out with him. Yep. That's the awkward part. Yeah. I just I just remember my friends. I was like, Nicole, cover your eyes. And then, like, later on in the episode, there was some more, you know, sexual stuff happening, and I was like, oh, my God. I should be okay watching this in front of other people, but I'm like, I can't, like... After knowing my friend's dad for like X amount of years, he's like my dad. So it's like it's, it was just really uncomfortable. But I've kind of we've kind of gotten. Wait, are we talking like some sort of Targaryen Baratheon thing? Like, are you tying that into the show? No. Like your friend's dad is your dad. Like, no. are you really heir to no. the Iron Islands? No. No. Okay. Well, I won't make any more jokes because Nicole's getting upset. Since when do you make jokes? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so that's how I got into Game of Thrones. I ended up just binge watching the first two, three seasons, and then I followed along since then. So what do you what do you like about it? Like what keeps you coming back? The characters, the character development throughout the show, and just wanting to know what's going to happen. Like each season, like usually the last two episodes is where it really pulled pulls you in. It's like they have like the huge battle, and then. You're just wondering what happens right after. And I just, I'm interested in like that medieval times and dragons. Dragons are badass, so why not? And the direwolves. I love the direwolves. So what about you, Patsy? I mean, I, I, I know your story, but you know, you can tell everybody else. Like, how did you get into the show and what do you love about it? What keeps you coming back? Well, uh, I originally got into it when I was uh, visiting my brother at my parents' house and he was watching, I believe it was season three, when there's this massive battle at the wall and I had no idea what was going on. All I know is that there were guys on top of a giant wall shooting stuff down at guys who were on the ground and there were just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of them. There's like some dude riding a goddamn mammoth and I'm like, what is this? So it was like this massive like battle scene, and I was like, I need to see what this is. And then uh, I bought the book because I'm like, oh, I'm really enjoying the show, so let me read the first book. And I bought it uh, just about three years ago. and uh, It sat in our bathroom for a really long time. <laughs> I slowly read through it. And then like I got about halfway, and then I didn't read it for like six months, and I'm like... You know what? Screw it. And I started all over at the beginning. And I noticed a lot of things that uh, if you were a, a, a book fan, you know, you'll understand some of this because some of these things were not in the show. But, like, like there's a line where uh, in the first chapter from Catelyn Stark's point of view, she talks about how she feels her heart may have turned to stone. And if you're a, a book fan, you know exactly what you know the the foreshadowing is for that mm-hmm. and i just i love the fact that there's like these little little throwbacks here and there not just in the in the in the uh, books but in the show like a, a a a casual line that somebody says you know or a mention of a character and then you know there's a payoff for it you know 
40 episodes later or, you know, three books later, you find out about this. So you've gone through... It's almost like these little red herrings or little MacGuffins that, like, you know, get sprinkled throughout. And the mythology is so rich. Did you just say MacGuffins? (laughs) Yeah, a MacGuffin. (laughs) That's so cute. Do you know what a MacGuffin is? No, I don't. A MacGuffin is like a plot device. MacGuffin? Yeah, a MacGuffin. That sounds like Puffins. Puffins are adorable. A MacGuffin. Oh, MacGuffin. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's that's my new word, guys. MacGuffin. So, you know, there's, there's, like, little things... You know, then there's still some stuff that we're waiting to be paid off. Like, uh, you know, when Bran finally meets the three-eyed raven and he tells him, you will never walk again, but you will fly. It's like, oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, you know, so there's all these different theories and there's so many different and it's so open to interpretation. Like you can make a viable case that would hold up in most courts that pretty much everyone is a Targaryen. Like Jamie and and Cersei, yep, they're Targaryens. Uh, you know, Tyrion's a Targaryen. Everybody's a goddamn Targaryen. You know, Varys is a friggin' mermaid. Like that's a real thing that people have said. <laughs> Varys no, is Doctor Who. That's a real thing that people have said because he doesn't have a bed. He doesn't have a bed in his in his sleeping chambers. He doesn't have a bed. It's just like a stone slab, and you can get in and out of the uh, the the dungeons. Which the only way in and out is through like a river, so like, and he, when Tyrion says I might throw you overboard, you know, on a boat, and he's like, that might not you know turn out the way you think it would. But of course, Varys is also supposedly secretly a Targaryen or a Blackfire, and there are so many different houses. Like if I haven't watched all of these these different like like the Last Harpy is one YouTube channel, Preston Jacobs, Alt Shift X. Uh, if I hadn't watched all of these. Let me put it this way. There are 21 characters named John that spell their name J-O-N. So if I hadn't watched the show and looked at the books and watched all of these companion things, I'd be confused as hell. And even still, like, I have no clue what's going on as far as, like, with any real certainty. But that's what keeps me in is, like, you know, the fact that I can make all these guesses. And I like the little little things that George R.R. R. Martin throws in, like the giant 1-1. Uh, now, apparently George R. R. Martin is a huge New York Giants fan, and 1-1 is named after Phil Simms because he wore number 11, so 1-1. And there's even a, a, a passage in one of the books. It might not be uh, the Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones series. It might have been one of his other ones that are very similar because he wrote a lot of fantasy stuff. But there is a, uh, a general named Belchek or Bilchek, you know, obviously a play on Belichick, who led an undefeated army until he came up against, uh, you know, a team of giants who utterly destroyed him. Ah. Which is, of course, what happened twice in the Super Bowl. So I thought that was uh, that was pretty pretty funny because he, apparently he hates Bill Belichick. So that's another reason why I like Game of Thrones. How about you, Ashes? What's your uh, what's your intro into this? So um, I got in, into the show because my brother-in-law uh, Patrick's youngest brother Dave was all for Game of Thrones pretty much from the beginning he's just like oh my god you guys have to watch the show you guys have to watch the show and I'm just like you know I'm not really one to jump on bandwagons I don't like things because everybody else likes it and to be honest uh, fantasy is not my favorite I, I can't Lord of the Rings just I tried 
I really I've tried try. to make her watch the the Hobbit movies. I can't do it. Like I just it just has. To, I I have I have no interest at all. Like I've tried reading fantasy as well. Yeah. And it just it just doesn't do it for me. It just doesn't pique my interest. So I really had no interest in watching Game of Thrones. And finally, uh, like Patsy had mentioned, he watched a little bit of it while over his parents' house or with his brother or whatever and came home and was like, you know, I think we should give this a try. Now, this was after, what, the fourth season had aired? Yes. Or, like, was in the middle of the fourth season? And I season? picked up the first season for, like, 20 bucks at Didn't Target. I let you guys take some of my seasons? Yes. Second and third. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's yeah. my thought. So, um... So, yeah, Patsy picked up the first season for super duper cheap on Black Friday and was like, you know, maybe we'll give this a shot at some point. Uh, So it was a snow day and we actually had the day off from work. No, that was when we watched seasons two and three. But we started season one prior to that because I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this. Do you want to watch it? And you're like, yeah, I'll watch it. And we watched the first episode. It was like. Holy shit. Well, I mean, like, there's a fucking Zombie, beheading. Zombies beheading incest it, and, chi- and attempted child murder all in the same episode. Right? Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, and it wasn't so much, like, the the fantasy aspect of it. It was everything else. Like, this story is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So we binge-watched the first season. Agent Nicole was nice enough to let us borrow seasons two and three. And then I believe you picked up season four. Yeah. And we borrowed that as well. Yep. And we binge-watched all four seasons in the span of a couple of months to be all caught up with season five to watch it. Well, like- we watched... We had two snow days within like a few weeks of each other, and we watched season two all in one day, and then we watched season three all in one day. And I remember season two, that was the day we were like... We got up late, and we're like, you know what? We have a DVD player in the bedroom. So we just laid in bed, watched it, took a nap about halfway through, because we got up at, like, 1, and then watched four or five episodes, took a two-hour nap, and then watched the rest of it. We literally uh, did not leave bed all day, and, you know, I can tell you, those are always good days. So, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Um I, I, Nicole, you mentioned it. It's the character development. Mm-hmm. These characters are so interesting, and these sh- this this show is so well written that just enough is revealed to you at just the right time. And you know, knowing certain things about certain characters, and then obviously being able to make your own kind of like theories about what's going to happen. And especially now that the show has deviated from the books because you know J. Uh, George R. R. Martin like has not it outpaced the him. Six- it out, it out, yeah. yeah, the show yeah. outpaced it. Right. So, you know, now now it's so much fun to kind of come up with your own theories and, yeah. and really not knowing, okay, where is this going to go? I just love it. Um, you know, like I said, my, my brother-in-law for the longest time was like, you should, re- you would love it. He was like, there's so much blood. He's like, there's so much blood and they're hot guys and like, there are so many butts. He's like, just, just so many butts. I and- remember <laughs> we, went, we went to his house yeah. to watch it. We went to his house to watch it and like it started off in like a brothel scene and like, so it's us, it's a couple of his friends, him, uh, there are a couple of girlfriends there and my dad and then like they start yeah, showing say, um, some... Some Speaking of awkward situations, yeah. there is nothing more awkward than watching a Game of Thrones sex scene, especially a gay sex scene, with your father-in-law <laughs> in the room. But Just throwing that out there. My brother Dave, who you might remember from the uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode, sitting there, and you know they, sh- they pan past like, these topless girls, and all of a sudden all you hear is, Titties! <laughs> <laughs> 
But the writers of this show have such a way of making you really care about these characters. And like Patsy said, every character that is introduced has some sort of like pull on the story. Mm -hmm. There really aren't any like fluff characters. Like every character has a purpose, even if it's just for one scene to to persuade a character to do something else, Mm -hmm. you know, or, or what have you. And and that's what I love about it. It has absolutely nothing to do with the settings. I do think the costuming is absolutely it's beautiful. beautiful. But it's the characters and the people who portray the characters. Mm-hmm. And speaking of characters, guys, what are some of your favorite game? I mean, I know there are so many characters, but what are some of your uh, favorite game, game of Thrones characters? Agent Nicole. I love the first one that just came into my mind is Podrick. I love Podrick. He's just so adorable. Um, He's got a magic dick. Is Gendry yeah. still rowing? Yes, he. There, he might be coming. Gendry, row your boat ashore. <laughs> um, I love Gendry, and I just I there's like there's characters I really hate, but like there's like there's characters that I love for certain reasons. Like I love Yara, or in the books Yasha, Asha, Asha. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah, that's uh, Greyjoy, Greyjoy, right? Yep. Yes, yeah, she is feisty. And yes, I like she is. it. Um, the Mormons, like uh, Jorah <laughs> and Leanna. Leanna <laughs> Mormont. Oh, is. my goodness. There's a meme where she's like, You had dragons this season. When it, you would have won like two seasons ago or something like that with the bitch tree. She's adorable. I would want her on my like girl squad. Um, like child goals right there. Yeah. Like if I ever spawn, I kind of want a child like Leona Mormont. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, have you seen the, the memes? I know it's Stephanie posts it. It's, uh, it's like stock photo of like a guy, his wife, and then their kid. But she, the, the people in the, it's like Brienne, Tormund, and Leona Mormont, the little bear. Yeah. Um, I love Arya. I, you know, like the typical people care, like answers like Arya and Tyrion. Um, I love the, the Tyrells. Unfortunately, like majority of them are gone. <laughs> and I love um, Oberyn Martell like so much. And I was pissed. I cried when he died. I was yeah, so um, still one of the coolest death scenes. Oh, I ever. agree. But I was so upset. Like I remember watching it and I just said, fuck this. And like that was like at one of the points where I was like, I'm done with the show. Just because I really loved him. And now, how many times have you said that? Like, I'm just done with the show. Um, hmm. There were a few. I remember uh, season five. I watched it with my friend Rachel and her family. And that last scene, I remember I stood up and I was about to walk out of the house because I was rip shit. That's because Ollie's a prick. Yes, he is. But um, there's so many characters. Just, I love them all. Love them all. What about you, Patsy? Well, after beginning to read book two, uh, I've found a a newfound respect that I didn't have when I originally watched the show for Stannis Baratheon. That guy, like, militarily, like, this guy's willpower and, like, desire is rivaled by... Only by that, uh, I would say, of Batman and John Wick. Like, this dude, like, he's told to hold Storm's End, which is the Baratheon uh, home base. 
Like that that's their Storm's End is like where they come from. Like where the Lannisters have Casterly Rock, Storm's End is is, you know, the Baratheon hometown. And he's like, Hold this. And so Stannis does, like he's locked up, you know and he the the invading army can't get in. And like his men are starving and dying and you know they ate all the dogs, they ate all the horses, you know, they ate all the rats, like that's that, and they, but they held out for like two years while the uh, Robert's Rebellion was going on. And now, forgive me if I get some of these figures wrong because there have been so many different battles, and this, the history of, of the Westeros is just massive, but I think it was like two years, and they only survived when Davos Seaworth. The smuggler, the no honor smuggler, was able to get in uh, through all the the barricades all around uh, all the other ships that were around them because his ship has black sails and you know, he's just a really good smuggler, and he's able to get in past all the defenses and bring bring uh, bring brought uh, Stannis a bunch of uh, food, most of it onions, and he ended up becoming the Onion Knight as a result. But like, there's way more that goes on with with Davos on that. But you know, that's those two guys for the longest time. Uh, you know, from reading the books, because you get a lot more dialogue in the books than you do. Like their interactions, like pretty much all the kings have yes men surrounding them. Stannis is the only one who doesn't. You know, like. There's a scene in the books where he's writing a letter. He's like, hey, now that Robert's dead, you know, I'm coming to claim my throne because I'm the next oldest brother, so I have the most legitimate claim to the throne. And, you know, the, somebody's writing a letter for him, and it's like, oh, my dearly, my, my beloved brother, you know, Renly. And he's like, no, take that part out because. Everybody knows that he's not my beloved brother, that, you know, I don't have that in me to, like, be like, oh, I love him so much, he's my favorite. No, because he had a secret resentment for Renly, because after holding Storm's End for two years, Robert was like, hey, guess what? Renly gets uh, Storm's End. You get nothing. And so that's why he was kind of pissed. But yeah, Stannis, Stannis is fucking amazing. How about uh, how about you? I mean, I know who your favorite character is. <laughs> um, well, there are a lot, but I can give you a top five. So number five is Leona Mormont <coughs> because she is just fantastic, and I really can't wait to see like what kind of pull her character has. I would love to see her on the Iron Throne. I mean, I know she's not going for it, but like I feel like she should. Um, number four is Tyrion Lannister. I love the way that Peter Dinklage has just approached this character and how he portrays it. And he's just, he's so lovable. And yet you kind of don't like him at the same time, but he's really lovable. And then he does something. And now, like, he's doing good stuff in the series. But, like, initially he kind of didn't have, like, a... Like a like a path, like a life path, like a purpose. Uh, and then he found his purpose. He kind of created a purpose for himself. And I don't know. I just I, he's definitely the um, kind of like the humor of the show. Like he definitely has the most 
zingers, one-liners, and for me, I think he's the funniest. I need to know the end of that goddamn joke. What joke? Walking into a brothel oh, with a yeah. honeycomb and a jackass. <laughs> he started to tell that joke twice, and both times he's interrupted. I want to know what happens at the end of that joke. Um, that is a MacGuffin. <laughs> MacGuffin! MacGuffin! I mean, it's not a physical item, but it's a thing that keeps getting thrown in there that keeps getting referenced over and over again. Uh, number three is Melisandre, the uh, the Red Priestess. I love her. Mel with the spells. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> She's awesome. I mean, not, uh, uh, oh God, her name. Carice um, Van, Van, Van Housen. Clarice Van Houten. She's Houten. Milhouse's yes. mom. <laughs> They look nothing alike. Um, She's just beautiful. She's just a beautiful person. Uh, But there's something just so mysterious about her character and the motives of her character. And I know her character does some not so great things, but I kind of dig it. Um, Except for that one thing. Gendry's dick. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I just, I find her fascinating. And I really like her wardrobe choices. So... Uh, number two, who is uh, actually the character I will be talking about in a little bit, Brienne of Tarth, uh, played by Gwendolyn Christie. I love her. I know I talked about her uh, during the Star Wars show, the May the 4th Be With You show that we did. I love Gwendolyn Christie um, and how she plays Brienne of Tarth. I don't want to get too much into it because I'm going to talk about it later. But yeah, uh, definitely my number two. Only just barely, just barely ousted by Cersei Lannister. And I know she gets a lot of hate, but I love her. Oh, my goodness. She is so methodical and so conniving. And she knows what she wants and she's going to get it. And she doesn't care what it takes to get that she's going to get it and i just love that and she drinks wine and i drink wine so yeah i like her i like her a lot love her character now we have uh, a couple things we need to play uh i know there's a uh, voicemail from cornelius yeah because there's a question that i posted up on the facebook um group today um about who out of this season, who do you think is going to get killed and who do you think will end up on the Iron Throne? And I know Cor- Evil Corny answers those, and that was a question I was going to ask you guys. But how about we listen to Evil Corny? Yeah, let's go with that. The night is dark and full of terrorists. Hey guys, this is Evil Corny. I'm just calling in about the Game of Thrones show. Um, Daenerys Targaryen is my favorite character in that series. And that's who I would like to see on the Iron Throne. But I think she needs to kind of train with a little bit of hand-to-hand combat. Because if you ever notice, she never wears any kind of armor. And she never has any weapons. Um, Her army and her dragons are the only thing that kind of... um, her only form of defense, you know, and you know she just uses fire, but it's just so many times you could just burn a building down on top of you know on top of everybody. Um, who I think might get killed this season? <sighs> um, 
I think Cersei Lannister might die this season. Fuck that. Uh, she's had a long die. run, and you know, she, she's another one of my favorite characters in that series. But she's just so nasty. You know, you never, you never. Um, it's kind of you kind of feel bad to root for her sometimes. But I think that's might be who um, dies this upcoming season. And but and plus, she has a body to a lot of this world. She's killed a lot of people. You know, Godfather style. You all have a good one. Evil Courtney out. See, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, see, you notice, like, a lot... For many of the seasons, like, some of the worst characters, like, never get their comeuppance. But some of them really get their comeuppance. MacGuffins and comeuppance? Oh my I'm God. loving this episode. Jesus. That'll be... That's the episode title. <laughs> MacGuffins and comeuppance. Yes. <laughs> a Game of Thrones story. <laughs> So a, a song of a song of uh, MacGuffins and comeuppance. Yes. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that'll work. Uh, yeah, I, I Nicole, were you going to ask us the same question? Yes. So from the Facebook page, that uh, that I, the question is, who do you think will get killed this season, and who would you like to see on the Iron Throne? Ashes. Uh, Theon Greyjoy. He's going down. He's going to die. He is going to die. Nope. He's going. Patsy's shaking his head now. <laughs> nope. Um, you know he is. He's going to die, and it's going to have something to do with him being on um, fighting with his sister. Not with his sister, but for his sister. Alongside. Excuse me. Yes. And he doesn't have the backbone to do what he thinks he's setting out to do. And I think that his past is going to kind of come up to bite him in the ass. And I think Theon Greyjoy. Sorry, Alfie Allen. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's going to be in season eight. I disagree. Um, and who is going to be on the Iron Throne? Fucking Cersei Lannister. <laughs> she is going to rule all. She is going to remain on the Iron Throne. She is going to rule all. And end of story. All hail Queen Cersei. Hashtag Team Cersei Lannister. All right, so I have to quickly uh, disagree with your your take on Theon because I think Theon is he is going to come back to the old Theon, the confident, you know, swaggering. See, I think he's too like dick battered swing, and well, bruised. <laughs> the old confident Theon, and he yeah, is see, going. I think he's too far battered and bruised. He to, is to going do that. to. My prediction is he is going to kill Euron to save his sister. Or Euron kills his sister and he avenges her by killing Euron. He may die in the process, but uh, he is he is oh, going so you, to... so you agree with me. Theon Greyjoy is going to die. Not the way you're saying. Like, he's not going to die a coward running away and hiding. He's going to die uh, standing and being a proud ironborn, you know, like... The but way he, but, but he, but he's still gonna die. Maybe if he dies, he dies fighting his uncle. But he may not die. He may make it through. You know what? Theon Greyjoy is gonna get his comeuppance. No, nope. that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna get his comeuppance. He's already gotten his comeuppance he's a douche. because he got his dick cut off and was tortured by Ramsay Bolton. Now, who I think is going to die, and it may happen very early on, but. Uh, Peter Baelish, Littlefinger. Ooh. He did. You think yeah. so? He did. Really? He is, is going to spend his entire time trying to put a wedge between Sansa 
and John, because he's already started that shit, and John's going to yeah, be like... Yeah, but Sansa's onto that shit. Like, she knows what he's trying to do. Is she, though? I think she... Okay, so... She's getting smarter. She's getting saying, better. Sansa Stark is one of those characters who I absolutely hated in the beginning and could not wait to see her die. But she still uh, is... But, but she's slowly become one of those characters who I kind of can't wait to see what happens next with her because she's she's grown a lot. But she's still... She's overconfident. Like, she... You know, in the scene where they're trying to the the episode nine, the Battle of the Bastards, when they're trying to plan their strategy, and she's like, "Why didn't you ask me what I thought? I was over there and I dealt with him. Why didn't you ask me? Okay, what would you have done? I don't know." It's like, wait a minute, you can't get pissed off and like complain and say, "Oh, you didn't ask me what my strategy is." All right, what's your strategy? I don't have one, but would have been nice to be asked. Like. So she's getting more confident and her character is getting better, but she's still very naive. Like, in many ways, she is still the same girl. It's like, I love Joffrey and he's my prince and I don't want anyone else from season one. In many ways, she's that same girl because she is ignorant of the ways of the world. She's seen some terrible shit like Theon. She's had some terrible shit happen to her, but I... (laughs) Littlefinger is going to play on her naivete to kind of drive a wedge between the two. It's like, oh, you're a real Stark. You're a real Stark. You should be. You should be the the queen of the North. You should be, you know, leading everybody. You should be doing this. And it's like you have no military experience. You have no combat experience. You don't know how to do anything. Like he's only saying that so it'll strengthen his position because all he wants, which is what he told her, is to be with her and have the Iron Throne himself. But. It's not going to happen. Baelish is going to die. And I'm not sure who's going to kill him. But what I think is who's one guy who knows that Peter Baelish betrayed Rob Stark. That's still alive and kicking and would be aligned to the Starks. Varys? The Hound. Oh, the Hound. Yeah. The Hound. Because the Hound and Arya became friends... Yes. And if he's Even up though north, he's still on her list. No, she took him off the list at the end of season six. Yep. If she's if he's up north and he sees Baelish and he sees and he sees uh, uh, Arya and Sansa together, because even in the books, he's very nice to Sansa. And when he takes off after the Battle of Blackwater, he's like, yes. I'll take you with me. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, if he sees all them, he's like, what the fuck is that asshole doing here? Don't you know he betrayed your father and, like, that's the reason why he's dead? And they'll be like, oh, no, you didn't. And that's, Arya's going to straight up murder him right there. With Needle. Yes, with Needle. With his own Valyrian dagger. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's true. And who do I think is going to end up on the Iron Throne Uh, in this season? I actually agree with you. I think Cersei is going to stay on the Iron Throne because... Uh, Daenerys is going to be on her throne in Dragonstone. Jon Snow is going to end up, uh, you know, on the Wolf Throne. I don't know what they call it. You know, um, I don't think that there's going to be any Iron Throne by the end of this show. You think it's going to just like demolish, like I in the uh, premonition that um, that Daenerys the, had in yeah, the House yeah. of the Undying. Yes. Yes, I think that's going to be completely uh, devastated, and I think. Um, I think it's going to go back to the way it used to be before the Targaryens took everything over, and 
you know, seven kingdoms, and they're going to be their own kingdom. The North will be the North. Dorne will be the Dorn. Well, the Dorn. Dorn will be Dorn. <laughs> you know, the... the uh, you know, everybody's going to have their own area. They'll all have their trade and commerce and stuff. Like, I don't know what the North is going to offer. Snow? Like, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I think that's how it's going to end up. That's me. All I know is that George R.R. R. Martin keeps saying it's going to be a bittersweet ending. So, I don't know. I, I don't know what that means. It could mean anything. And I, you know, I don't know what he thinks bittersweet means. So, what about you, Nicole? Um, I think... Ooh, for season seven, who's going to die? I definitely believe Peter Baelish is ready to get killed off. I never really liked him. And I think what Patsy said with the wedging of trying to break up the Starks is really going to bite him in the ass, especially where Arya is heading back north. Yes. She already got Frey dead, so she's heading up north. It's going to be a, a risk for her to... It's been a while since she's back been back home so i I do just want to interject one thing because if folks are not aware there is a uh and you and i have talked about this there's an entertainment weekly photo shoot that they did yeah oh yeah and on the cover it's the the stark children it's bran it's john it's sansa and it's aria and on the cover of this magazine aria has the uh valyrian steel dagger Mm -hmm. that was used in the attempt to kill bran and that baelish himself held to Ned Stark's throat in season one. Yeah. When he betrayed him. Yeah, I also agree Peter Baelish will be gone. But also the Sand Snakes, uh, I think they're going to be dead. I I, think they're going to be tortured by Cersei. Oh, I agree. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, especially after... They killed her little girl. Yeah. She's going to have none of that. She killed her son. Who's who's, she going to blame for that? Yeah. She, Cersei knows how to get her revenge. Yeah, I think... I I really don't like how the Sand Stinks were portrayed over the past couple of seasons, so I think they're going to be dead. And... Unfortunately, as much as I really love her, I think Yara Greyjoy is going to die, too. I just have a feeling. Probably. Um, who would I like to be on the throne? I would love Jon Snow to be on the th- throne. But, he know, but he, knows, he knows nothing. He knows nothing. He doesn't want it, either. He doesn't. Yeah, he agree. He doesn't want it. But for this upcoming season, I will say Cersei Lannister will be on the throne, but not for long. Not for long. Forever. <laughs> Not for long. Forever. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see what happens this upcoming season. So, Any I more? agree. So, uh, on that note, I think we should uh, brace for winter and head to a break. Yes. And when we come back, we will talk about some characters from Game of Thrones.
Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. And you are listening to Throwdown Thursday on the Grand Guineal Network. I will say that this intro is one of the greatest intros in television history. Um, Raman Jawadi is the guy who did the, oh my uh, God. The, the, the main theme. And you learn so much from just if you pay attention to like what areas are being shown and like during this and, and I remember watching them when I rewatched everything like when Winterfell was set on fire by the Greyjoys like as they panned over Winterfell all it was was just like big clouds of smoke yeah. like, it's, it's excellent because the intro uh, it kind of li- lends itself to a, a fan theory that says that uh, someone is is narrating the Game of Thrones yeah. and telling you what's going on because if you look at the opening it kind of looks like someone's looking through uh the glasses that well, the maester wears. Yeah. And it looks like one of those pop-up books. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah. my God. The music, I'm just... The music is oh. absolutely... The Reigns of Castamere, like, they talk about That's that. That's what I call my period. <laughs> the Red season, Wedding. I'm sorry, I can't tonight. I'm attending the Red Wedding. In season two, they mention the Reigns of Castamere multiple times. Like, Cersei is talking to Sansa, and she's like, oh, are you familiar with the Reigns of Castamere? And she gives her the, the whole background on what the reigns of castamere mm-hmm. is what it actually means and then later on we see Bronn singing it and mm-hmm. everyone's like oh where'd you learn the lannister song and he's like drunken lannisters yeah so like you hear that uh, you hear like the that theme over and over throughout seasons two and three yeah it's it's that's a, another one of those great subtle foreshadows i got to see it live in concert and just Stevie Alexander was the one who sang the song. It the whole concert, if you ever get a chance to, I'm sure they'll do it again. But um the conductor who the composer of the music on the show, it's just so I had my spine was on was like on fire. It was just chills everywhere. It's just fantastic. The music plays a huge role in this show. So, sorry, I didn't mean to interject, but no, no, no. I was just... No, no, you the, defo- the show the is music, all about interjecting. Yeah, like, the music is just absolutely it's, wonderful. Like, I... Believe it or not, I'm a huge, like, classical music fan. Mm-hmm. So, like, instrumentals, uh, comp- compositions... I absolutely love and I cried just, at that concert. I'm sure I would have too if I had gone. It like I, I'm, music I'm sure has that way of of moving you to the point of you know an emotional response. And it was just the Iron Lady. My mom was like, I came out of the concert and she was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "That was just so amazing. I just want to bench watch the well, entire look at show." The, um, 
the song that is played actually Patsy has it on a CD the that's light currently of the is, seven yes that <gasps> last episode yeah. of last season just kind of building up momentum mm-hmm. into to, to, to everything that happened yeah. like oh my god like I had chills I cried chills. at that I'll, like listen, it's I've listened incredible a hundred times it's yeah beautiful. and it even Absolutely has a snippet incredible. of the reigns of Castamere yeah. in it but anyways we are all talking about certain characters. I will be talking about Sir Davos Seaworth. Ashes will be talking about Brienne of Tarth. And what are you, who are you talking about, Patsy? I will be talking about uh, one of my favorite characters after reading the books, uh, Sandor Clegane. Nice. All right. Who would like to go first? I, uh, can, I can go first if you guys want me. Because I just, you know, I talked about it already and I can go pretty quick. Okay. That's fine. Yeah, go ahead. So basically... Uh, Sandor Clegane, the Hound, he is uh, a very rough, uh, he's a badass fighter. He's this big, massive dude. Uh, the o- I think the only two like regular non-giant characters that are bigger than he is are Hodor and his brother, the Mountain, uh, Gregor Clegane. He is uh, a knight. He's a knight of the Kingsguard. He's, uh, uh, well, he no, he, he refused to be part of the Kingsguard, but... He still protects the king. He's like his personal... Uh, he's Tywin Lannister's dog, they call him. Uh, his nickname is the Hound because uh, the house sigil of uh, the of the Cleganes uh, is three hounds that were actually lost in a fire. They died in a fire. Um, uh, no, it wasn't... It wasn't... Yeah, and they had killed a lion. Like, it's, it's, it's a long story that he tells in, the, in one of the books. But, um... He is really the only one who can physically stand up to the mountain, and there's a there's a lot of uh, speculation that we will see Clegane Bowl, <laughs> meaning Sandor versus Gregor, uh, you know, in a fight, obviously to the death. The so hound, that is that is the Hound versus the Mountain. Yes, the Mountain yes. who rides is what they call him. The the zombie Mountain. Well, now he's a zombie. Yeah, in the book, he's roughly eight feet tall. Wow. So little bit bigger than like a real person would be i mean there are people that have been that tall but not nearly that muscular and giant like right now he's uh being played by uh uh hapthor bjornsson who is regarded as one of if not the strongest man in the world um apparently he has a, a wonderful personality as well but uh sandor is a guy who he drinks and he fights like that's what he loves to do and he will fight anyone at any time. He, do, he doesn't care. He's he's an incredibly skilled warrior. Um, and he even stepped in to save uh, the life of Loras Tyrell um, in the uh, tourney of the Hand of the King in Season 1. He uh, Tyrell cheated in his uh, jousting match by using a horse that was in heat to... Uh, unseat the mountain. The mountain got so pissed off that he killed his horse with a single sword stroke, chopped the horse's head right off, and then went after Loras Tyrell. Uh, had the hound not stepped in, Loras Tyrell would have been brutally butchered. Like, even though he is incredibly talented, it doesn't matter. Um, he, Loras Tyrell is incredibly talented, but the mountain would have just annihilated him because of his sheer size and strength. But Sandor is, uh, he's also got a very, uh, a softer side to him that you don't really see uh, so much in the show. 
you see it a little more in the book where you know he he's leaving King's Landing and he offers to to take Sansa with him and you know he protects Sansa multiple times throughout the story you know when she's doing something stupid that could you know if anybody else had caught her she would have been killed or given over to Joffrey to be tortured and beaten um He's the only one of the kings of, of the the king's knights who, because he refused to be be a knight because he doesn't want to be a knight, uh, even though he has a skill for it. He's the only one who uh, did not take any pleasure in beating and hurting uh, Sansa. He protects her multiple times, kills multiple people to defend her, um, and then even with. Uh, with uh, later on, you see him with Arya, you know, protecting and trying to save her, and he's he's like, oh well, you know, it's because uh, I want a uh, I want this bounty, and I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to worry about it, you know, I, I don't want to have to worry about anything else. That's the only reason why I'm protecting you. I want to get the bounty on you. I want not a bounty, but uh, he tries to return Arya to her mother, so he can get a reward, and he can just get far away from Westeros because he doesn't want to deal with it anymore. And uh, we see him lose a fight to Brienne of Tarth. And uh, that's my girl. Partly because, <laughs> like, you know, she snuck up on. She's like, Arya, come with me. And then Arya turns around and tells the Hound to stop shitting and get up to fight. And I don't know about y'all, but if I'm in the middle of taking a shit, the last thing I want to do is to like squeeze it off like mid <laughs> mid loaf and. And, Thank you, you know, for that fabulous, <laughs> and beautiful God. visual, and, Patsy. Like, have a battle to the death. But it was it was a uh, it was a good fight scene, and Arya could have killed him, but she decided not to. And then we see him a, a long time later, uh, and he comes back, and and he's with a bunch of uh, a, a, a priest, not a priest so much as a servant of the. Uh, the the seven there's there's like a thousand different religions and the, the seven is one of the main ones, um, and he he tries to stick up for the for them but they all end up getting murdered so he goes after them kills all of them you know to avenge them and now he's joined up with uh, the Brotherhood without banners they fight for themselves for nobody else they're kind of like a, a mercenary group think of like the uh, like the Expendables but with less explosions. And uh, we see in the trailer for uh, season seven that Sandor is up north with Jon Snow's hunting party. So that's going to be very interesting because it's a Brotherhood without banners. Jon Snow, Tormund, Giants, Bane, a couple other people. There's twelve people in total in this group. So I'm very curious because twelve of them go up north and they get attacked. I'm going to say most of them aren't coming back. So this could be the end of the Hound. Who knows? But I think he's too tough. I think he's too tough to die. I don't see him dying this season, at least. Uh, he may, he may die next year. I mean, everybody might die. I mean, that, that might be the ending of the show. Like, you know, they they stop the White Walkers, but in order to do so, everybody has to die. So then maybe that's the bittersweet ending. But I don't think he dies this season. But yeah, um, the Hound is one of my favorite people. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him because he's not. He's secondary in the fact that he's not vying for the Iron Throne. Like, he has no motivation. Well, and there's, like, a season over a season where he's just MIA. We yeah. have no idea. Like, is he dead? Yeah, like, like season, what happened? Five, pretty much all four, of season five, five. and yep. 
half of season six. six. Yeah, Actually, most of season six. He doesn't come back to like the last episode or two. Yeah. So, yeah, he's gone because you think he's dead. And they that's what George R.R. R. Martin does. Like, And that's why there were so many times that people are like, well, this guy died and came back like Thoros of Mir. How many freaking times has that guy come back? <laughs> like, the hound killed him. And seconds later, he was back again. So, And that's why I think they're going to take a... a, a Apart from the book where Thoros of Mir, because he keeps getting resurrected by the Lord of Light, uh, another one of those crazy uh, religions, the one that Melisandre that you mentioned practice, yep. uh, he gives Catelyn Stark the kiss of life, because she's dead at this point. She's dead and she's been floating in a river for a few days. Mm-hmm. He gives her the kiss of life where he dies, but she is resurrected. So I think that's going to happen, but it's going to happen to Jon Snow. I think Jon Snow is going to die again and Thoros is going to resurrect him. But... I don't know. That's just me talking out my ass. Uh, Nicole, how about you? Who are your favorite folks? Um, so I'm going to talk about Sir Davos Seaworth. <laughs> oh, yes, I are. love this man. He's just played by Aline Cunningham. Great in Dog Soldiers, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say, wasn't he in Dog Soldiers? Um, so Sir Davos, or as a lot of people know him in the books, is or in the show, The Iron Knight. Uh, Onion. Oh, Onionite. Why? <laughs> Sorry. Look, just because you're Ironborn doesn't mean everyone is. Everyone is in my life, okay? <laughs> um, he is the Onion Knight, and he used to be a former smuggler. So earlier, Patsy kind of gave like a little brief history. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Don't tell my story. But um, So throughout his life, uh, Sir Davos, he grew up in Flea Bottom, which was in King's Landing, the poorest part of King's Landing. He grew up the poorest of poor. And so... Flea bottom. Yeah. So <laughs> he became a sailor very young to escape the slums of King, uh, King's Landing. And so he did a lot of smuggling. And obviously during the uh, Robert Rebellion, he smuggled onions and various other foods under the Tyrell... Um, ships for Stannis Baratheon and so once the war was over Stannis Baratheon you know knighted him but he also cut off four of his fingers on his right hand on the show but in the books I think it's the left hand well no he doesn't cut the whole finger no just the fingertips like he has from his like hand to his first knuckle everything after that and he wears them in a fucking pouch yeah Um, he chose the uh, name Seaworth for his new uh, noble family house, though a lot of highborns are very like, you know, we don't see you as anything. And, you know, he tries to make a life better. I feel like when we talk about Sir Davos, I feel like he's like the new Ned Stark. Like, he has that moral compass where, you know, he knows right from wrong. He wants to do better in his life. And in the book, I think in the books he has like seven sons and in the show he has one son who he loses um, during the battle at King's Landing and I Blackwater. Believe, yeah, Blackwater, yes. Blackwater. And so, you know, I just see him as like the new Ned Stark on the show and um, sorry, I had like so many ideas to talk about but um, he's just such a noble character. Like his eyes... He just he like is such a silver fox. Yeah, like, he is. Dude, so, he is so foxy. Like I would just, I don't know. Like I just, if he fucking dies, I'm gonna cry. Like I'm, I'm do him. 
<laughs> what just saying, right? I know. <laughs> like, and scenes with him in it, like especially like the tension between him and Melisandre, oh. and knowing that the fr- the friendship that oh the, my God, the two done, actors have in real yeah, life, they like they've done a few movies together. They they're like best friends. Like, yeah, and but anyway, sorry, we digress. So in season two, when we first meet him, he is right next to Stannis Baratheon. Obviously, Stannis Baratheon is you know reclaiming his. Um, his right to the Iron Throne after Robert's death, and obviously uh, Renly is also claiming for the Iron Throne. So Davos is not particular keen to Melisandre and her beliefs because she basically tells Stannis, "Oh, you are the Lord of Light. Like I see you reigning everything." He's just very like he doesn't believe that. That's just kind of bullshit. And he doesn't like the dark blood magic. No, he doesn't. You definitely see that when she pops out like a demon child out of her cooch. Um, so, try to figure out my notes here. While you're doing that, we did get a message from Dynamo Mars. What about Dynamo Mars? It says, I wanted to send in a voicemail, but I don't know any of that stuff. <laughs> well, tell him to set up for tomorrow's episode or the next week's episode on my birthday. But anyways, um, just Sir Davos, his he definitely is a secondary character, but like you see him throughout the series of him progressing. I love his relationship with uh, Sh- Princess Shireen, uh, Stannis's only living child, and his relationship is like from what I've seen was. His son was trying to teach him how to read, but he obviously didn't want to do that. So Shireen basically teaches him how to read. Like throughout this, she considers him a friend, like his a trusted ally. And one of the scenes that really breaks my heart, I know Ash, just you and I talked about this earlier in season six, where or towards season five, Stannis and Davos go up north. Um to fight with Ramsey and they lose and so they basically go with Jon Snow and like try to you know kill off the walkers and one of my favorite scenes is he's talking to Shireen and she's like you know he's going off and she's like you know I'll protect you and um, later on he carves out a um a stag. stag. I, I was going to say it. Calm down over there. A stag, little toy, you know, just as, like a thank you for everything, for teaching him how to read. And then in season six, we find out Shireen was sacrificed to the Lord of the Light in order to gain kind of like um, an upper hand of winning the battle. But unfortunately, Stannis Baratheon did not win. And so his her death was... it was awful and so he finds the toy and he realizes this is what happened to Shireen and it breaks my heart like that was that was one of the a one of the worst deaths but b just his reaction like he basically considered her like a child that yeah like that was his that was his daughter like he pretty much raised her he took care of her yeah um you know she was banished to a tower because of her appearance yeah because of the gray scale and well that's Sir a Davos, highly communicable disease as well yeah but still like she was you know, cured for it right but 
you know, because of her appearance and because she wasn't, because, well, because she was a girl, she wasn't a boy. Yeah. Uh, you know, she was banished to this tower and, and Sir Davos took it upon himself to befriend Shireen. And that whole scene, I want to talk about a scene, um, a moment that made me want to walk away from the show. Like, that was it. Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, jokingly, I can joke about the Hodor scene or, yeah. or whatever, but that, seriously, that, just, that scene, that scene where, you know, she was sacrificed to the Lord of Light because of Melisandre. And don't get me wrong, I love Melisandre. But, but this, she fucked up. <laughs> this whole scene just, oh, God, left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. And, and, and you know, Sir Davos, like... His reaction to to everything, and then in season six, finding the toy yep. and figuring because out he, you know what had happened, yep. like uh, his his whole reaction to mm-hmm. uh, learning everything. Yeah, because he had asked Melisandre, oh, "Do you know what happened shit. to her?" And Melisandre was hesitant to say anything, and then she, he finds out. And basically, at the very end of season six, Jon Snow said, "You know, you're banished from the North," and. Sir Davos was like, if I ever see you again, I'll kill you myself. And I was just like, I was just like, you can just feel the anger, the hurt, the pain. This man has lost a lot in his life. And to lose something so precious and so pure. Well, Shireen was, she was innocent. The only love that he had left. Yeah. Like, there was nothing else. And to lose that is such, it. it's just heartbreaking. I feel like you- just saying that she was sacrificed doesn't do it justice. She was burned alive. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. he uh, found the, the stag in her, the, the pile yeah. of ashes, the morning of the Battle of the Bastards. Yeah, which just... Because then, you know, he saw that and he glared at, in episode 9, at the very end of the the battle, he sees Melisandre and gives her the glare like, I know what you did. Well, he confronts the shit out. Yeah, which is one of uh, I just I'm hoping that this next season this season he doesn't die. Like he is basically Ned Stark without his head chopped off. And so he's such a good force in this show. He will ruin the show for me if he dies, which you know eventually everybody dies in the show, but I don't want him to die. So, I love Sardavos. I do too. I would totally do them. Oh yeah, those beautiful blue eyes. Oh yeah, I'll take the onion night any day. All right, ashes. Talk about the homegirl of Game of Thrones. So I'm talking about Brienne of Tarth, and just a side note. So she is played by Gwendolyn Christie, and like I said, I, I mentioned her earlier, and I know I've mentioned her on the show before. I have such a lady boner <laughs> for Gwendolyn Christie. I loved her in Star Wars. I cannot wait to see what Captain Phasma does. She was actually she played herself in the absolutely fabulous movie, and yes, she was absolutely fabulous. She is just a power house and I want to see more from her so I digress but anyways uh, Brienne of Tarth first appeared in season 2 episode 3 titled What is Dead May Never Die Brienne Tarth commonly known as Brienne of Tarth is a warrior of House Tarth vassals to House Baratheon and the only daughter of Lord Selwyn Tarth 
Brienne is the sole surviving child and heir of Lord Selwyn Tarth of Evenfall Hall and the island of Tarth located in the narrow sea off the coast of the Stormlands. Brienne's mother died when she was so young that she doesn't remember her. She had some siblings, but they all died in childhood. As the sole heir of House of Tarth, she posed a fairly promising marriage prospect for men from other noble houses. But due to her physicality and personality, has never seriously pursued a marriage alliance with another house. She is also called the Maid of Tarth, or despairingly, Brienne the Beauty due to her appearance. Brienne has spent most of her life as the object of scorn, rejection, and pity. She is unusually tall and muscular for a woman by Westeros standards and developed a taste for martial activity as a child. Brienne has grown up to become skilled at arms and dreams of becoming a knight. When she tries to dress and act like a proper lady, she was met with mockery and disdain for her unattractive appearance and lack of feminine social graces. When she turned to a career uh, more suited to her talents as a warrior, she received only contempt and resentment for her gender, despite her considerable skill. Her lifetime of scorn and condescension led her to become to becoming extremely pragmatic and blunt. However, it has also provided her with nerves of Valerian steel, and she is completely unafraid to face off against warriors as powerful or as intimidating as Jamie Lannister, Loras Tyrell, and even, as Patsy mentioned, the Hound. Can I just interject one thing? Yes. When you were talking about how, like, when she tries to dress up as a lady and, like, everybody makes fun of her, there was one person who didn't make fun of her and was like, listen, you are, you know, you have more right to be here than anybody else because you're a highborn this and that. Renly Baratheon. Yeah, I'm getting to that. Uh, Perhaps because of this background, Brienne is as awkward in personality as she is in, in appearance. Catelyn Stark notices that she has none of the easy confidence as some of the other warrior women. And let's face it, there aren't very many warrior women, period. Uh, Brienne of Tarth yearns for respect and acceptance from others and easily gives her love and loyalty to the few people who treat her with any degree of genuine courtesy, including... Renly Baratheon, Baratheon, excuse me, Catelyn Stark, and Jamie Lannister, believe it or not. Uh, They have all won Brienne's friendship and service in some sort of manner. Brienne, much like Ned Stark, who we have mentioned briefly, is motivated by her own sense of honor and duty, thus seeing the most dishonorable acts as unacceptable. She often faces situations where her honor is eclipsed and opposed by her heart. Since she confessed to Jamie that her failure to sway back, so excuse me, sway the blackfish would result in the two of them fighting one another again, saying so in a tone that states outright she doesn't want to fight him, even though she has a considerable chance of defeating him. She can be headstrong, sarcastic, cynical, and judgmental, but she is also honest, straightforward, loyal, and determined. Although she has received extremely poor treatment from most knights, Brienne clings to a naively idealized concept of knighthood. Now, I have so many other notes here about Brienne of Tarth, but I kind of want to talk about my feelings for 
Brienne of Tarth, if you guys don't mind. Um, I absolutely love this character from the time that this character is introduced to to date. Uh, she is not your average woman of Westeros. She is very tall and very broad and very muscular. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just chooses to wear her hair in a short fashion and she does not wear any makeup per se. Yeah. Uh, she is often filthy uh, uh, sparring in the yard or doing other work. And she is very undesirable to the men in her area, any potential eligible suitors who they make fun of her for it. And like Patsy said, uh, one of the people who do not, uh, who does not make fun of her for it is Runley Baratheon. And she actually becomes, uh, she's known as Brienne the Blue, I believe, um, be, kind of aligns herself with Renly Baratheon until his, I believe, untimely death. And then aligns herself with Catelyn Stark until her untimely death, promising to you know return Sansa Stark to Catelyn Stark, and then obviously Catelyn Stark is dead, so she can't do so. Uh, in the process, she also aligns herself with Jaime Lannister, and talk about an unlikely duo. The two actually find a mutual respect slash adoration for each other so there's a scene in the show that comes to mind when I forget where they are but Jamie leaves and leaves Bran behind and then kind of feels guilty about his decision so goes back for her and she is dressed in a dress which she does not wear and she is given a wooden sword and she is fighting a bear I think they're in Heron Hall. Yeah, the bear and the maiden. The, yeah, the bear and the maiden fair. And um, knowing full well that Brienne of Tarth could have completely demolished Jamie Lannister early on, uh, Jamie jumps to her defense mm-hmm. and ultimately helps save her life. And you know, the two kind of form a bond that I believe this this bond will come back. I hope this bond will come back in later seasons. Yeah, I hope he, we, I hope we see it in season seven. Like they, they legit form a friendship. Yeah, because he tells her the true story of what happened with the Mad King. Yes, yeah. yes. And there's something about Brienne, the way that Gwendolyn Christie plays her, and also the way that Brienne of Tarth is written. There's something so genuine about this character that I love. Um, there's something so obscure about this character. Uh, kind of Arya Stark-like in yeah. a little bit. Uh, kind of going back a little bit when we first meet Arya Stark. Um, you know, she doesn't want to be like the other girl. She doesn't want to sit in the sewing circle. She doesn't want to sew. She doesn't want to do like any of that. She just wants to fight and learn how to be a warrior and you know that's exactly what Brienne of Tarth is she's a warrior she is so incredibly loyal to those who are also loyal to her and she is a woman of her word and I hope to God that we see the knighting of Brienne of Tarth because that would just make my feminist heart flutter yeah um She's she's so beautiful, but she's not made to be beautiful, and I love that. And she's portrayed in just such a strong manner, 
And that's one of the things that I love about the show is, you know, they do show kind of like the uh, damsel in distress, for yeah. lack of better words. You know, some women find themselves in, in predicaments that, you know, they need to be saved. Mm-hmm. But they also show women like Brienne of Tarth, you know, jumping and saving others. Yeah. And she's not afraid to fight and God, is she good with a sword. That opening scene in season six when yes. she gets to Sansa. Yeah. Yes. You know, like. She's like, oh. you know, Pod's trying to fight one guy and she's too busy, like, annihilating everyone. You know, she is just. For lack of. She, she is everything, okay? She is everything. And I cannot wait to see what this character does in season seven and ultimately like season eight. Brianna Tarth for the Iron Throne. No, just kidding. She wouldn't <laughs> She wouldn't take it. She wouldn't have it. But I definitely want to see a knighting of Brianna Tarth because be she awesome. is just fantastic and she is so badass and it is it is so much fun to watch this this character progress in the storyline. And it's funny because she started as a bit character. Mm-hmm. She started as kind of like a, you know, they would roll the credits and then kind of give you like the special guests. And slowly, because of the um, response to her character, gained an actual like title yeah. role. So I'm so excited to see what season seven brings. Um, I hope to God Gendry finds where he's rowing. Oh my God! If he <laughs> I think Gendry will be he, there. Okay, so I Gendry. I like I'm like a stalker. Well, that's just right. I sound wrong, but I like follow Game of Thrones. Like everything that happens, kind of like the behind the scenes, and the actor who plays him um, was seen in the area where they do the locations for Game of Thrones. Really? So I'm like this. Bitch, better. <laughs> Although he I better do be know, jacked up. Wait a minute, I do know for a fact that they have been post- posting like spoiler photos. Yeah, like you think that they these are live action shots, and then come mm-hmm. to find out that these are spoiler shots that they uh, intentionally set up. Yeah, and took pictures of, or for like tabloids and yeah. paparazzi and stuff to take pictures of. Yeah, you know, so they're really jumping through hoops and stuff trying to keep season seven like under wraps. Yeah, so we have no idea what we're walking into. <sighs> That bastard better get. Better God, Sunday cannot come soon enough. I know. I know. I, oh, I can't wait. It's going to be such a good time. I think that. Um, sorry, side note. Going back to Brianna Tarth, I think she's going to become valuable, especially with uh, winter is coming, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and there is preparation for this huge battle between the White Walkers and the rest of the Seven Kingdoms. So, I I, I think that. Just kind of fan theory here. I think that she's going to have something to do with that. And I think she's going to have like a very big part in the taking down of the King of the White Walkers. Yes. I a little bit of Brienne. I love her like quote unquote relationship that a lot of people are loving with um Tormund, Tormon. Oh my god, okay, <laughs> yes. Sorry. I totally like skimmed over that part. Yes. Uh I am totally as the kids call it these days shipping, shipping. uh Tormund <laughs> and uh Brienne of Tarth. Yep. Uh Tormund is a wildling. He right? Is, He's a wildling? Yeah. Yes. Free, free folk. 
free folk. Oh, yeah, excuse That's what me. They call themselves free folk. Everyone right. else calls them the wildlings. Um, and he has googly eyes for Miss Brianna yeah, Tarth, <laughs> and I am so feeling that. And I feel like I feel like she's not used to that. Like she doesn't know how to react to it because nobody has ever like eyed her that way before. But like Tormund is looking at her like, yeah, that that that's my kind of. I don't want no twig I can break in half. <laughs> like I want a girl who's gonna go slaughter some some food and then go home and we can cook it and then we can do stuff yeah i digress there but is <laughs> like there is a still out there of them together and i'm like oh <gasps> i feel like there's a probably a lot of brianne and Tormund fan fiction out there oh uh, there's plenty and of i know i know um our a frequent listener stephanie wiley is also a fan of the two so i'm yes. like we are like yeah i'm really yeah i'm i'm totally shipping that relationship and i really hope that something happens between the two of them because i mean let's face it brianna tarth she deserves to be happy and she deserves Mm -hmm. to find a guy who not only google eyes her (laughs) googly eyes her but um can handle her exactly you know and appreciates her for who she as is as a warrior and exactly yeah. as a war who she is and what she has to offer and doesn't mm-hmm. try to turn her into something that she's not mm-hmm. don't we all need that on that note i think it's a really good time to go to break well i was going to say that we're uh, instead of we should just like forego the last break and just kind of do our thing cuz we're at an hour and a half at this point oh, holy crap god i could probably talk about game of thrones all day all day, yeah. every day. So I was going to say, why don't we just do our... So uh, what's coming up next week, guys? Yeah, Agent Nicole. It's my you birthday. got some explaining to do. It's going to be my birthday. That's right, a week from today. A week and from today, I turn 16. Any, are we doing anything <laughs> anything to celebrate wait, 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 wait. that? Who wants to be 16 again? Okay, I'm 21 again. <laughs> We are going to talk about one of my absolute favorite, favorite characters of all time, Lucy Ricardo from the show I Love Lucy. Ricky. That was a really bad impression. I apologize for that. Are we going to have bad impressions? (laughs) Probably. Probably. A lot of whining. Yeah. That's that's a normal show. We need some cheese with that. (laughs) But um, we also have battle results. From our last battle from mm-hmm. last week. Ashes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we did that. Yeah, we did. So we did the Foxy Moms. We got Francine Smith. We got Lois Griffin. We got Linda Belcher. We got Marge Simpson. And Marge Simpson won. Really? I think in actual combat, it would either be uh, Lois or Francis. I think it would be Lois. I'm thinking of that episode where, like, she like gets infatuated with karate, and like she grabs, <laughs> yes. she's like grabs Peter Griffin's balls, and she's like, "This, this is, is mine. Yes. This is where when my babies come, come from. from." Yes. Yeah, she learned Taijutsu. Yes, I, I, I feel like Lois. I I don't agree with the fan results at all. I apologize, but not really. No, I'm not so, sorry. I, not sorry. Like, I, I, I think Lois. like Lois Griffin would have won I that. did for Francine Smith. Francine does have I a mean streak. I feel like, yeah, she does. She really does. Like, she she's kind of crazy. She puts up with a lot of shit, too. Well, I mean, and not Well, they all put that, up with a lot of yeah, shit. Yeah. Except for true. Linda. God, I put up with a lot of shit. Um, I'm going to snore I, extra I feel loud like, for you tonight. Uh, 
Um, yeah, I feel like Francine may have gotten some. I mean, she obviously she knows that Stan works for the CIA, so maybe she has like some knowledge that we don't know about. Well, but I she, really, I, I feel like it would have come down to Lois and Francine. Well, and I know Francine can just go into the laboratory, give the guys like brownies, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, you can have whatever you want," because she did that at one point mm-hmm. in the episode, one of the episodes with uh, Steve. Growing up, and she was not for that. Yeah, the, I mean, the I Avatar know, episode. Yeah, I know that there is the episode where Marge like gets into bodybuilding, and she gets like super jacked, and right? she throws fridges at people. Yeah, yeah, so like maybe that's where people are coming from. Maybe you know they're thinking of like Marge Simpson throwing fridges at people, but I feel like overall, like Marge Simpson is kind of docile in comparison to. Lois and I mean I knew I I know as much as I love Linda Belcher I feel like she doesn't have a chance as far as like hand to hand combat no, goes. No, she's got no no shot. She would just be like, "All right, where's the wine?" Okay, she, she would, would she be chanting. She would be chanting, doing a she circle chant. She would eliminate chant. herself. She'd be like, "Where's the wine bar?" And then she would just be cheering from the Ooh, bar. What kind of like, snacks do they have over right? there? Right. Oh, I hope they have pickles. <laughs> But anyways, the people have spoken, and the winner is Marge Simpson, even though I don't agree with that at all. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. But anyways, we... I think, uh, yeah, I think we'll have to uh, go ahead and, and uh, yes. end things there, and uh, we will see, see you next Thursday. Thursday. Winter is coming. Crown Lord said that I must bow so low